Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. You feel His presence and His Spirit here even as He indwells in you? Amen. I sure do. I sure do. I'm thankful. Let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Father God, that You have given us this day, Lord God. We rejoice in it, Lord, for this is the day that You have made, Lord. You have prepared this day for us to gather here in this place which we set apart for worship and prayer unto You, Lord God. Even now, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that moves on us. Even now, we thank you for the refining fire of heaven that cleanses and purifies us and puts us at a right place with you, Father God. And I thank you, Lord God, that as you anoint this humble vessel, Father, that the word which I'll proclaim, not being my own but thine, Father, will go forth in power and might and do creative, mighty, working miracles in our midst. If you want to agree with me in prayer, won't you say amen in the name of Jesus? Amen. Do you have your Bible with you? Let's go ahead and make our confession. If you're visiting with us today, and we're glad to have you. And before I do that, before I make a confession, let me... Let me make a confession. I made an error last week in announcements with uh, Chris and Kara Woody. Um, I mentioned to bring a book, but that's instead of a card. You know, write a little note instead of the book. For, so their, for their baby shower next Sunday at 2, bring a book with a note in it, but then bring them some big old wonderful gifts and lots of diapers and wipes. Praise God, I know they're going to need plenty of wipes. Naomi's at a point now where she thinks when diaper changes need to be changed, she thinks it's a wrestling match and wants to run away. Bring them a lot of good gifts, amen, and bless them as they're endeavoring on one of life's greatest adventures. All right, let's say this. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Turn with me to 1 Kings 18, verse 20. I've got something settled in my spirit. The Lord's put there. We're talking again about Bible boldness. Installment number 6. If you've missed the first five or missed a couple of them, they're on Facebook, they're on YouTube, they're wherever fine podcasts can be found. Anchor, uh, Stitcher, Apple, Google, whatever. If you need to, we'll cut it on vinyl for you. We'll get you the word however we need to. 1 Kings 18.20, we're looking again at what it means to be bold for God. What does it mean to be bold, to stand in faith, Believing God. Just what does it mean? 
in an openly compromising world in present evil age. You know, turn on your news. That's easy to understand, right? Evil apparent everywhere. Backbiting, slandering everywhere. Wishy-washy, say this one day. You know, that's my favorite thing with politicians. Either side, any of them, this country, any country, they'll say one thing, and when they find out, they get some kickback. The next day, well, what I really meant to say was this. Back and forth, spineless. But how many know people that believe on Jesus have a stiff spine of faith? Amen? They'll declare the word of the Lord in the land of the living. They won't back down. They won't be intimidated. You won't be intimidated. You won't back down. And I'm here to tell you this, that the reality is when you stand in faith, believing in God, He will answer by fire. 1 Kings 18 verse 20. Let's get it on. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Now these are satanic prophets, prophets of Baal. At this point in time in Israel's history, they have forsaken God as a nation. They are at a place where they know the truth but won't submit to it. Uh, maybe you're here today and you've heard some truth but you've yet to submit. Or maybe you're not totally submissive. You know what's right, and you're playing with the thought of it, but just can't grab a hold of it yet. And here Israel stands at a choice. Who are you going to serve, Israel? Who are you going to choose this day? And Elijah, by the word of the Lord, has given an invitation to the wicked king Ahab, the most wicked king that they've ever had in the history of Israel, Israel thus far. And he gives them an invitation, so that's where we find ourselves in verse 20. They all meet at this place called Mount Carmel, which is interestingly enough where this showdown is going to take place that we're about to read. Mount Carmel is a place where there was much, much idolatry, much wickedness, much sinfulness. The Phoenician god Baal, this idolatrous, wicked witchcraft religion that involved all kind of sexual perversion in its worship, which was one hook in the jaw of many people that started serving Baal. You mean to tell me I can do the lust of my flesh and call it worship? Well, that sounds like a great God I'd like to serve. There's many serving that God today. So here we see verse 21. They're all gathered. Verse 21, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him, but if Baal... Follow him. But the people answered him not a word. I guess I could give this message the Lord's laid on my heart a subtitle. The recipe for revival. What must take place in our nation. What has to take place in our state. What must take place in our church. What must begin in your hearts today. The recipe for revival. The first thing that brings forth revival is repentance. Verse 21. Who are you going to choose today? Will you serve the living God or will you serve the idols of your heart? Will you let go of everything that you're clinging to at this point that's bringing nothing but death or will you serve God? The recipe for revival. It is the church's obligation. And now I'm afraid to say, I fear sometimes to say church because when I say church, you may hear someone else's job. 
But who is the church? I'm the church. You're the church. It is our obligation. It, it is our responsibility to stand up on the behalf of God. To declare wherever we're at, whoever we're around, who are you going to serve? There is a God in heaven. And then there's everything else, everyone else. There is a way, narrow and straight, that leads unto God. And then there's everything else that will take you to hell. Who will you serve today? See, Elijah, we've been looking at different characteristics of Bible boldness. And this first one we see in this order of Scripture is verse 21. He feared no one but God. He wasn't afraid. He had no fear of man. We've talked about it before. You can't fear man and God. You can't serve two masters. You can't look on one and say, well, you know, I just, I don't like to push my faith on anyone. Well, I'd rather not anyone die and go to hell. I would rather people be offended for a time and then saved for eternity. Well, I just, you know, I just don't know if it's my place to say it. If you don't say it, who will? The book of Romans chapter 10 tells us this, an often quoted scripture that we know, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Go back, you know, put it in reverse a few verses, 14 and 15. How will they hear unless someone's called? How will they hear unless someone goes and proclaims? How will they know to call on that name that will save anyone that calls on the name of Jesus? Unless someone says, who are you going to serve today? Who are you going to serve today? Well, who should I say that to? Anyone not serving God. Anyone who's at the precipice, at the dividing line, teeter-tottering. How long are you going to falter back and forth? You might say, well, you know, A.J., I, I got saved a while back. Well, I would say this. Is your heart totally right before God? Well, you know, A.J., we're not, we're not all perfect. We all make mistakes. I'm here to tell you this. The power of the Holy Spirit living in the believer will set your path straight. And things that have been long lingering that maybe we have made into pets that God says is sin, He can drive them out by His holy cleansing fire. And look, God wants all of you. Imagine if your heart was a mansion with many rooms in it. He doesn't want the key just to six rooms and you have two left for yourself. That's not, that's not making Jesus Lord of your life. How long will you falter? How long will you sway back and forth? You know, James 1, it reminds me, James 1 says, Don't let the man who is doubting in his mind, who is like the waves of the sea going in and out, back and forth, think he'll receive anything from God. How long will you falter? How long will I falter between, well, Lord, I know your word says this. Uh-oh, that three-letter word, but. Well, you know, I hear you, A.J., but you've got to understand this. Oh, give me the spirit of understanding and revelation that I might know the hope of our calling, the riches of the glory of our inheritance in us, and the exceeding great mighty power of God that works in our behalf to those who believe. 
That's the understanding I need. I don't need any extra opinion. Well, you know, A.J., that sounds real good. But I know so-and-so, and they believed God one time, and it didn't work for them. How long will you falter? Because I'm not going to set up any other, any other person's experience as an idol. Well, I would do that, but, you know, so-and-so tried it, and it didn't work. Oh, tear down that idol quickly before it creates a place in your heart of doubt. How long will you falter? Verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Man, I like those numbers. That's good odds. One man of God and 450 wicked people. That's light work. Verse 23. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Here's the showdown. Elijah says, give them two bulls. Give us two bulls. And let those prophets of Baal choose one bull for themselves. Cut them in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other bull, lay it on the wood, and I won't put any fire under it. Now, isn't that very polite of Elijah? He's called the people of Israel, the wicked king of Ahab, and these wicked priests, these people who've been running their mouth, saying they serve the real God, that Jehovah's not the real God, and the God of the Bible's not the real God, but the God of our wickedness, the God of our lust, the God of our desires, the uh, whatever you want to call it, the God that uh, feeds the desires and lusts of the culture and society. That's the true God. Elijah says, well, let's just do this. Let's have us a showdown. Bring two bulls. Anyone like beef barbecue? Brisket? Praise God. Bring two bulls. Give them the bull. Let them start. Go ahead. I'll be polite. You start first. You take a bull and prepare it. And you make an altar and prepare it. But don't put any fire under it. And I'll do the same. Now notice this. Verse 24. Here's the kicker. Then you call on the name of your gods. Before I go... I hope you understand there's gods in the land. There are things people exalt and elevate to a high place of worship in their life, and they are not true. They are not the true God. Amen? There are ideas, people, experiences that people will idolize and make a God in their life. And it will actually control the devotion of their heart. You know, I really would, I really would uh, come up to church, but, you know, I, I know this, you know, there's more than one way to heaven, and I appreciate what you're saying to me, A.J., but, you know, I've come to learn that there's more one way to get to heaven, not just your way. I had a man tell me that in Ingalls. We had a long conversation, which is not a good thing because I wasn't answering my cell phone. And if I don't answer my cell phone in about five minutes, Laura has assumed that I'm lost in the side of the woods somewhere, sent out the search party, sent out a helicopter, start praying in the Holy Ghost, you know, whatever. But it wasn't. I was just standing in the Ingalls parking lot talking to this gentleman. Well, you know, I've actually read some more than just the Bible. Well, there's your first problem. Oh, you can read other books. I read books all the time. I mean, I'm reading all kind of stuff. Now, I don't play and read nonsense. If I want to read fiction, 
I'll read Ian Fleming's James Bond novels. I'm not going to read about Buddha or Mohammedanism or, or Hinduism or any other fanciful created thing of man's mind. But there are things that man, that people will create and idolize. And let me tell you something. If there's anything in your life today that will obstruct your relationship with the Father, tear it down. Because the problem is when you call on those gods, they don't answer. Verse 24, then you call on the name of your gods and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. How you know Jesus is alive? He saved me. I'm a new man. He's healed me. He's delivered me. He set my feet up on solid ground. Pulled me out of miry clay. I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I've got peace, love, and joy flowing like a river. Because the God who answers by fire is God. The God whom you can call on and He will answer, He's the real deal. He is the real deal. Don't play around with anything that won't answer. Man, if you've got a dog that won't come when you call, take that thing to the, to the uh, uh, pound. Look, look, I, I go walking on Sundays. Na- Sunday mornings is when Naomi and I go walking, and that gives Laura plenty of time to do whatever she needs to do to get ready. Doesn't she look good today? I told her I ain't letting her out the house alone. My goodness. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so we walk on Sundays, Naomi and I, and I'm, I'm jogging, man, I, you know, I got to make sure I got do a couple push-ups and pull-ups because, you know, I'm a man, man, you know, walking around pushing a stroller with, a, with you know, pink things falling out of it and everything. But I got to, oh, yeah, yeah, we walking, yeah, well, oh, the pink pacifier, let me grab that. And we were walking by a neighbor. He's a good man. He's a nice guy, but he's got dogs that don't come when he calls. And I'm smiling, you know, they're standing there just, get out of here, get back to that house. And I'm just smiling, and I'm thinking, oh, if they come close to my little girl, I'm going to punt that dog over the side of that house like a football. Yeah, good, good to see you, good Sunday. Oh, I'm just headed to church, I'm going to knock that dog next week. If it don't answer, when you call, it ain't God. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, we know He hears us. Verse 15, and if we know He hears us, then we know we have what we've asked for. There ain't nothing too large you can ask God for. Hey, there ain't nothing too small you can ask God for. Well, it's insignificant. No, God knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. And he can answer anything from large to small and in between. But I know this, he always answers the call of faith. Let's keep reading. So all the people answered. Now notice this, verse 21, they didn't answer him a word. How long are you going to keep going back and forth between your gods of Baal and the real God? And they were quiet then. But verse 24, Elijah, he says, hey, let's have a showdown. And they answered, hey, man, that sounds all right. It's well spoken. That sounds like a good time. So what happens? Verse 25. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Go ahead, pick your bull for yourselves, prepare it, for you are many. 
Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and they called on the name of Baal from morning, evening till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Well, so they take it up a notch. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made, dancing, jumping around, making a scene. Satan will make you look like a fool. You, you, try to, you try to go around down that hard path of sin and you realize, man, this sinful lifestyle ain't working. Let me try doubly hard. You end up looking like a doubly a fool. Well, he ain't answered yet. Maybe if I jump and gyrate, he'll answer. Verse 27, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them. Hey, let me tell you something. When you serve the living God and you have a relationship with Father God, you're not going to be afraid of any other gods of the land. <laughs> I got a, a brother, an elder brother in the faith. He's an evangelist. And he was, they were out holding a crusade in California. And they had some witches that were spreading rumors saying that this is not a crusade. They don't want anything uh, to do any good towards you. They're actually human traffickers because my evangelist friend, they were setting up this area and, and they were advertising, hey, if you'll come, we'll, we'll give out, we're giving out groceries. We're giving away prizes. We're going to have live music and we're going to preach. And, and these witches said, no, 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 they're human traffickers. Don't go there. Don't go there. And they were, they were all protesting the day of the uh, crusade. And they had handmade signs. It's, it's unfortunate the witches couldn't get something printed up for themselves, but they had marker written on the sign. They're holding it. You know, this is, this is not real, da-da-da, holding against it. And what did he do? Run in fear? No. What did he do? Call a special prayer meeting? No. He just preached the word of God. What happened? People got saved, delivered, and set free. Even some of those witches. <laughs> Amen. He did. Why? Because you don't have to be intimidated by Satan. 1 Peter 5, he's walking all through the earth, Satan is, seeking, roaring like a lion. You ever notice like a lion? Not roaring as a lion. Why is he not roaring as a lion? He ain't a lion. Who's the lion? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Hosea, it says that the lion, he will roar and his whelps, his lions, those children of his will come unto him. Satan's an intimidator. Or he's an intimidator. He's an imposter. He's a fake. He's a phony. It's like pastor's been teaching for several weeks. He's got no real weapons. All he can do is make you, all he's going to do is try to influence you to be deceived, to doubt, or to have unbelief. And then on our part, he may use ignorance against us. But Elijah, what does he do? He mocks them. Cry aloud, Elijah says, for he's a God. You know, either he's meditating or he's busy or he's on a journey. I like that because in the Hebrew it mentions he's on his way to the restroom. Or perhaps he's sleeping and he needs to be awakened. He didn't wind up his alarm clock. You need to wake up that old bell, verse 28. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves, as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. Satan will cause you to do harm and danger to your own body. The Lord will never cause you or lead you in a way that is self-destructive. Satan will lead you along a path that is self-destructive. 
Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and give it abundantly. If there's anything that is destructive in your life, its founder and its God is Satan, and it must be removed. The living God will not hurt or harm you. The plan he has for you is to prosper you and to set you on a path of good success. Verse 29, and when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, the real one, the one to God. But there was no voice. Notice that. Man, a whole lot of work. Fruitless work. Fruitless work is not of God. The path of the righteous is to grow ever brighter like the coming of the noonday sun. Increase is the means and method of the believer. Fruitless work is a result of the curse of sin. If you're doing something over, I'm not talking about persistence, but I'm talking about you're committed to something that won't come to pass or produce in your life. Is it founded in the wisdom of God? Because what they were doing didn't work. There was no voice. There was no answer. No one paid attention. Now look at this. Verse 30. Recipe for revival, first repentance, second repair of the altar. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. That was broken down. We don't know where this altar came from, but we know it was an altar of God. We don't know what happened. We don't have any other scriptural scripture pointing to what this particular altar did at Mount Carmel, but we know this. At some point in time, this altar was dedicated to God. But over time, it didn't get used. Over time, it fell apart. Over time... It was broken down. Over time, it was neglected. You want the God who answers by fire to fill your life with His glory? You may need to repair the altar. You may need to repair the altar. He repairs the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Verse 31, And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with these stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two barrels and baskets of seeds. And he put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces. It's his turn. He laid it on the altar, on the wood, and said, Feel four, someone say four, four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. 34, do it a second time. They did. Do it a third time. And they did. Verse 35, so much that the water ran all around the altar and also the trench was filled. Now you might think, why is Elijah pouring water on this sacrifice? If you want something to burn, you don't soak it down with water. You soak it down with kerosene, diesel fuel. You put something on there so when you light it, you come away and you got no eyelashes. (laughs) 
I, I can say I've done that once or twice before. <laughs> Come, I've done it without it. You know, you put good dry kindling and leaves on a fire and light it. You, you get in there. I've come back from Royal Ranger camping trips, and my dad looked at me and said, where are your eyelashes? <laughs> and I, I said, well, you know, we were starting fire with flint and steel, and you got to get down in there. When there's a spark, you <laughs> blow it. But when it lights up, you don't keep blowing. Because when you do, it goes whoosh. And you go, oh, oh, God. But you don't wet down the fire, not with water. Two reasons Elijah soaks this altar, this sacrifice. One, in this day and age, and it hadn't changed, but in this day and age, these prophets of Baal, what they would do, why they were thrown off guard, and of course they didn't get an answer because the God whom they served is not a living God. But what they would do is, normally these prophets of Baal, they would pick a place before anyone got there. They'd dig some holes where the altar was going to be. They would put some fire down in there, prepare the altar, bring the people, dance around for a few hours, and eventually the fire in those holes would creep up and catch the altar, the sacrifice on fire from the bottom to the point where they're, yeah, oh, Bell, yeah, Bell, you the best, Bell, you the best. And someone say, like, I see fire. Yeah, you see fire. Bell did it again, didn't it? And it was trickery. It was schemes. It was a deception. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like Satan. Deceptions, schemes, trickeries. Now, Elijah's proven a point. There ain't no fire under this altar. Because if there is, it's poured out. It's, well, we've washed it out now. Secondly, 1 Kings 18, 1, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. Someone say rain. I'm going to send rain on the earth. In 1 Kings 17, read it for yourself. Elijah appears out of nowhere comes to Ahab and says, Ahab, because of your wickedness, because you have brought yourself and this nation to sin and idolatry, there ain't going to be no more rain until I say so. And three and a half years go by, and now the Spirit of the Lord tells Elijah, it's time to rain. Someone say, it's time for rain. It's time for rain. But before I let the rain down, we're going to have a little showdown, Elijah. And so Elijah poured out water as an offering. Because when you've had three and a half years of drought, the last thing you do is waste water. But if you know rain's coming, you can pour it out. Maybe there's something in your heart. You may be holding on to it because you think you need it. If you'll give it to God, He'll let it rain. Maybe you've kept something back for yourself. And you think, no, 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 I need that. I need that. If you let it go, pour it out before God as an offering. He'll send so much abundance your way. Of whatever you might need. He will rain on the dry ground of your life. Because when you know rain's coming, you ain't got to hold it back. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I'm your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. 
You cannot go wrong obeying the word of God. You cannot fail when you obey the word of God. When you commit your life and your path according to the word of God, you will not fail. Because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he'll bring it to pass. His word is like the rain that when it falls, it makes the ground produce. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Recipe for revival. How to have the God who answers by fire answer you. Repentance. Who are you going to choose? Make a choice. Repair the altar. Get everything clean. Get the altar built back to where it needs to be. The prayer life of your heart. The altar is your heart. Get your heart repaired before the Lord. The third thing, a spirit of prayer will come on you. When you get right with God, it's easy to go before the Lord and ask of Him what you have need of. It's easy to dwell in the presence of a holy God when you're right with Him. And so what happens? 38. And I love it. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. But was that it? It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones. It consumed the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. I'm here to tell you this. When you commit yourself to God, when you have no dividedness in your heart, when you're sold out to the Lord, when you've repaired the altar of your heart, when you're one with God and you pray prayers, He'll answer them by fire. And He will bring to destruction every agent and work of the devil. He will consume everything. He'll burn it all up. He'll cleanse. He'll make holy. He'll make clean. He'll make you pure. So as I close, I want you to put your heart on these things. Is your altar ready? Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you would present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your only reasonable service. It's only right that we give ourselves to God. Is your altar ready? Is your altar repaired? Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Is your altar ready? Is your altar prepared? Is your altar ready? Is your altar prepared? Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. Are you ready for rain? The prophet Hosea is speaking to Israel. You've got to break up the fallow ground. Then seek the Lord. And then he'll rain righteousness on you. What is fallow ground? It's hard 
tamped down, compacted dirt. It's not wilderness. It's not roots and rocks and tree trunks. It's already had something growing in it at one time. But over time, what fruitfulness it brought about has died. And the worries and cares of the world have tamped it down, compacted it down to where now, though it's dirt, it's hard like cement. And even if you did throw seed out on fallow ground, it would just break forth and root and then dry up when the sun comes because it can't dig down into the dirt. It's Mark, 13, or Mark 4. The sower sows the word, but some of it falls on the wayside. It's too hard to grow. Is there a hard spots in your heart? Is your altar ready? Is your heart ready? Is there anything in your heart that the plow of the Holy Ghost needs to bust through? Because He will not plow around. Some farmers plow around the tree stumps and the rocks. They're too large to move. God won't plow around. But if you allow Him, He'll bust through it. He'll break up that fallow ground so that then, Lord, when you sow your seed... I'll bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Is your altar ready? Because here's the thing, fire comes down from heaven, amen? The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23, Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came out a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. When they saw this, they shouted and fell on their faces. Well, it's so interesting in, in Leviticus 9, at this point, Moses has already told the priesthood and the Levites how to worship God, how to prepare themselves to encounter God. He said in Leviticus 6, verse 12, the fire, the fire hadn't came yet. He's giving them instruction. The fire on the altar should be burning in it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it, and he shall burn the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13, the fire shall be on the altar and it shall never go out. See, the fire comes from heaven, but you maintain it. Every morning, the priest had to go out and put wood on this fire that came from heaven. The fire came down from heaven. The fire came from God. It's not by your works you can be saved, but by the blood of Jesus. It's not by any work you do that you receive any miracle working power of God, but by faith in Him. The fire comes from God, but it's your job to maintain it. It's your job to put wood on it. It's your job to make sure that the fire that comes from heaven never goes out. Never goes out. Because I know this, when you call on God, He'll answer by fire. He's an all-consuming fire. Jesus, John the Baptist said about Jesus, there's one greater than me. I'm baptizing you with water, but one greater than me is coming behind me that I can't, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. But he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he'll blow his fan and he'll burn up everything that's unclean. He'll cleanse, 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 cleanse. Malachi 3, 2. But you, who will abide in the day of his coming? Who will stand when God appears? For he's like a refiner's fire 
when the presence of God inhabits your life, it burns out everything that's not found in Him. Now you say, now AJ, no, I, no, look, I, I'm pretty straight. I mean, I hadn't murdered anyone today. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. This is a good place to hide from the police, though, because you might get saved while you're here. You might say, I haven't done any great big sins or anything. Has loving God become a habit? Has prayer become a chore? Has studying the Word become a necessity but not a joy? Has honoring your wife your husband, something that you just, is a second thought. Is unforgiveness towards someone in your heart? Well, I don't, I'm not mad at them until I think about what they did to me. Lack of enthusiasm about the things of God. Well, I guess we won't go to church today, might as well. Ain't got nothing else to do. Giving to the Lord, time, treasure, talent. I don't know why they need our money anyway. They, should, they can get it somewhere else. Has serving God become a burden? You know, the Spirit of God told Malachi the prophet to tell Israel, look, Israel, you're so wicked because you're telling people that serving God is a hard thing. Don't let anyone ever tell you serving God is a hard thing. Because Jesus said... My way's easy. My yoke's a light thing. My, my life is a joy. My life is peace. Is your altar ready? Is your altar ready? Because the Spirit of God, Isaiah 4 says, the Spirit of burning will rest on those who believe in God. Acts 2 verse 3, And when they were all gathered together, they were praying. And cloven tongues came on them and sat on each one of them as fire. Jesus paid the price on the cross. He tells them to go pray. Repentant spirit of prayer. Ten days later, the fire of God falls. The Holy Ghost comes. He's released in the earth, fulfilling the prophet's words of Joel. It's no different with your life. It's no different with this church. It's no different with this state, with this nation, or any people on the earth. Repentance through prayer will produce revival. What's revival? A renewed obedience to the Word of God. What's revival? A renewed joy in serving the Lord. Is your altar ready? Is your altar ready? I'm going to ask you to join me this morning at our altar right now. Would you come forward? And we're going to seek the Lord for a few moments. There's no greater thing you're going to do today than preparing to meet with the living God. And I'm asking you, come right now. Come on down quickly. Come on down. And as you're coming to the altar here in the church, make the altar of your heart ready to receive from God. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to call out and pray to Him. Heavenly Father, we come before You, God. And we bless Your name, Lord God. We're so thankful for Your goodness. For you are kind and your mercy endures forever, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, that truly, Lord, you are the God who answers by fire, a refining fire, a burning fire that cleanses and makes whole in every way, spirit, soul, and body. Father, we commit unto you, even now, Lord, 
all that we are, Father, every thought, every word, every dream, every ambition, every desire, every action, we commit it to you, Lord. You are the Lord of our life. We consecrate ourselves to you, Father God. We commit ourselves wholly to you, Father God, completely, entirely to you, Lord. For none is worthy of what we give you, and none compare to you, Father God. Pray this prayer with me, church. Pray this prayer. Say, Father, everything of me I give to you, holding nothing back from you. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of me, of my family, my marriage, my children, my whole family, my career, my passions, my dreams, my ambitions, my actions, my thoughts, even my words. You are worthy of a total sacrifice. Let me be a living sacrifice on the altar of my heart. Consume me wholly, completely, totally with your burning fire, cleansing all, making all right, making all clean. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. As every head is bowed and every eye closed at the altar of God, you, maybe you're here today and you know if you breathed your last breath, you would not go to heaven. Though heaven is prepared for you, you know you're not right with God. Well, I'm here to tell you this. The sins you're ashamed of that haunt you, there is a Redeemer and His name is Jesus and He will crush every hold of Satan in your life if you will but believe and call on His name. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, A.J., at one time I was serving God, but my altar needs to be repaired. You know that you're not right with God. Though you may have known Him at one time, you're at that point, you're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to serve the lusts and desires of myself or will I go back to God? If you fall into either of those categories, I beg of you right now, make the choice to serve the loving, living, holy God. If that's you, would you slip your hand right now? With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you and you need to get right with God, just slip up your hand and let me know. Amen. We're all going to pray together. We're all going to pray together as a family for those that are at that place of decision, that are choosing Jesus. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Father, I believe in the risen Son of God, Jesus I confess Him, Lord of my life. He is my Lord, and I'll obey His Word. Cleanse me totally of all sin, transgression, and disobedience. Give me a new heart completely for You, and I'll live for You all of my days. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you're here... And you know in the depth of your heart that what has to take place in our nation, in our city, and your family, my family, is not a change of jobs or economy going up 
or change the news channel or vote midterms, vote election, but you know the only thing that's going to make a change right now for us is a mighty, sweeping, reviving work of God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray this prayer in faith, people of God, knowing that the God that you're asking and requesting and petitioning, that He, according to His work, Habakkuk 3.2, will revive thy work, O God. I want you to pray this prayer knowing that the God you're calling on, He answers. Pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, we ask you, God, move on us as a church as a people of God, so that every time we see someone, we can tell them about Jesus. Father, let the Holy Spirit heavily convict our city, our state, our nation, the earth of sin, righteousness, and judgment so many might be saved. Lord, empower us to lift up Christ so that you will draw all people to Him. Father, we ask that you send the fire of the Holy Ghost to cleanse our nation, clean from wickedness, clean from perversions and deceptions of Satan. We bind Satan and authorities and principalities by the blood of Jesus. We say... There's open doors of salvation and revival. And let it begin in us, even now, O God. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, give a hand clap of praise. Lord, we thank You, God. We believe we receive, Father. We believe for a shaking, God. The Bible says that all things that can be shaken will be shaken. But the person that builds their life on doing the Word of God cannot be shaken. Lord, let everything that can be shaken be shaken. So the only thing remaining in our families, in our cities, at our jobs, in this nation is the foundation of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, if you're happy about it, say amen. Amen. I bless you. I love you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed. Praise God. Tell someone you love them and you're happy for them. Amen. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you. 